0: Jewish Latin Princess Episode 77, Mirta Ines Troop, author of Destiny by Design. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women. And from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast and now Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com your host Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Jael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Monday, October 22nd, 2018. It's such a busy time of year for me, I can't even begin to tell you. All super fulfilling projects, and I can't wait to share what's in store. But for now, um, I can't let it all out of the bag, the cat out of the bag. So let's just say that, well, I'll share with you one little thing that I can, that I can, is that I spend a lot of my time lately coordinating Houston's Friendship Walk, which is Friendship Circle's annual walk, to raise awareness about children and, ad- and adults with disabilities and their families and to raise funds for the wonderful work Friendship Circle does for these families. And if you'd like to support me on the up- upcoming walk, you can make a tax-deductible donation to HoustonFriendshipWalk.com forward slash Yael Trush. And that would be lovely, greatly appreciated. I know some of you who get my newsletter did that, and I thank you here uh, openly. I really, really appreciate it. And if you're involved with Friendship Friendship Circle in your neck of the woods, let me know. I'd love to hear from some Friendship Circle fans out there. But enough about me. It's I'm super extra tired with everything that's going on. But the show must go on. And today I have a wonderful, lovely guest, Mirta Ines Troop. She's a phenomenal writer, although she didn't necessarily set out to become a writer. It seems like it was all divine providence. And she talks a lot about divine providence today on the show. In a short span of six years, she's published three novels, one of them a memoir about her life as a Jewish Argentinian growing up in the United States. Mirta is a second-generation Argentinian, born in Buenos Aires and immigrating to the United States as a baby. She had the unique experience and luxury to return to her native country multiple times a year, all throughout her childhood and her teenage years because her father worked for Pan American Airlines. Those trips those frequent trips, as well as the close-knit relationship that her parents built with other Argentinian immigrant families ensured that Myrta remained very much an Argentinian, although as she tells us, back in Argentina, her family considered her the Yankee. And if this cultural mix wasn't enough, of course, Myrta is also Jewish, a grandchild of Russian immigrants on both sides. So what role did Judaism play in her life growing up? What was it like growing up with these three identities, and in particular with a Jewish identity, which often, as you may maybe perhaps may might be your experience came with mixed messages and many unanswered questions. So how did Judaism fit into the picture? And how come Mirta's characters do not fit the stereotypical Jewish characters we encounter in most fiction writing? And thankfully, they don't. It's actually lovely. Mirta's work reveals her fascination with Jewish history and genealogy, as well as with historical period drama a la Jane Austen. Her books are enlightening and refreshing at the same time. And as you will hear, so is she. Listen to how she's grown in her knowledge and observance of Judaism, a Jewish book that has been pivotal in her life, and how she speaks about divine providence, about also about trying to do better than the previous generation, whilst not forgetting and honoring everything that th- they gave us. Here's the lovely Mirta Ines Troop. Mirta Inés. Troop. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to do this. I just finished reading your latest novel, Destiny by Design. It was a fascinating story. Very, very well researched, very nuanced and rich in details. We're going to get into that. But I want to start with your life experience, which is already unique. You grew up in the US, <laughs> but uh, your parents were Argentinian and you you grew up as you told me previously one foot here, one foot there. You were in America, growing up in America, but you had the opportunity to be in Argentina very, very often. So you were very much um, aware of Argentinian culture, society, and the nuances of being an Argentinian, even though you were in America. But in addition to that, you're, of course, Jewish of Ashkenazi descent to to add to the mix. And all of these cultural elements are reflected in your writing. You write in English, but your experience as an Argentinian Jew definitely informs your writing. So let's start with How did you first start writing? Was this a fascination from childhood? And give us a little bit of a feel also about what it was like to grow up in this multicultural environment.
1: Sure, of course. Well, my situation, uh, as you as you have said, I was I was actually born in Argentina. Uh huh. Uh, my father had always wanted, uh, as a young man, has had always wanted to come to the United States in 1961. After another issue with with the government there, there was a very strong anti-Semitic feel. There were economic problems. They finally decided to leave, but they weren't the only ones. There was apparently about thirty thousand. Uh Uh, Argentine immigrants who came between 60, 61, 62 and uh, much larger numbers came in the 70s during the dirty war and in those days you had to have money in the bank here in the United States, my family particularly, uh, $1,000 per person in those days coming from Argentina, it was a lot of money, $1,000 for my father my mother and for myself even though I was a a child, a baby. I was 11 months old, Uh, my father and my uncle first came to uh, Texas where we had another cousin already living. And uh, my mother and I uh, and my aunt with her two small children followed a few months, several months later. So, um, Yes, I lived in Houston, then we moved to California, and we pieced together a family of blood relations and other people who had immigrated, and we were just La Familia. Mm -hmm. It it didn't Mm -hmm. matter, right? The the, the blood didn't matter. We were La Familia because we had left everybody else behind. Um, When I was about seven, my father started working for Pan American Airlines, and we started this crazy back and forth business of going to Argentina every free moment my mother could get us out of school. So for the entire summer vacation, for winter break, for spring break, for Thanksgiving break, it didn't matter because the traveling was almost
0: free. Which was a a unique quote-unquote luxury that not too many of your peers with the same immigrant experience had, right? Correct.
1: None of my cousins returned. Uh, mm-hmm. For the most part, none of my cousins ever returned to Argentina. So while we were immigrants, I, uh, I, I was, I literally had one foot, <laughs> one foot here. Well, I guess not literally, but uh, you have that image because we never really acclimated. Um, it was a very unique situation. My other cousins had really, truly embraced being American. They had American friends. They had the American experience. But we were still, my sister and I, were still traveling and living very much an Argentine in uh, environment, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not know I was going to write a book. Uh, I had always loved to read. I had always... Uh, I always excelled in languages. That was something that I, I was very um, drawn to. But after about 50 years, I definitely had the material to write the first book. And it usually started. The questions started with my name when I would meet somebody, Mirta, uh, with with blue eyes and very pale skin. You know, they mm. they couldn't couldn't put two and two together. So you tell them that you're from Argentina, and then the questions start. I don't understand Jews in Argentina what what are you talking about? Um, so these questions all my life have have been part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met my husband when I was in Argentina, actually uh, at a Kabbalat Shabbat with my cousins. Uh, I met this young man. And two years later, uh, we had this uh, long distance uh Romantic love affair before Skype, before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the possibilities that we have with technology. And uh, so I had the material for a book. So that's how that first book came about. And I called it With Love, the Argentina Family, because that is something that my mother used to say uh, at every event, whether it was a, a holiday, a birthday, even if it was just a little family get well, little. In our house, it was never a little <laughs> <laughs> family event. Uh, There was always something that said, with love, the Argentina family. She always wanted us to know that they were there with us. Um, we would o- we would always toast para los presentes y los ausentes, for those who are here and for those who are not with us. Uh, they were very much present in our lives here in the United States. So that's why the first book was called With Love, the Argentina Family, Memories of Tango and cugo Mate and Knishes. Mate, of course, <laughs> is the drink that we have in Argentina and in many other countries in South America. I really wanted to share those experiences uh, with the general public, but also for my children. I wanted them always to remember where where they came from, who they were. Uh, All of the uh, accomplishments that the family was able to to gain. And so that first book, I thought it was that I was done. It was it was a memoir. I didn't know that people would be interested as much as they were. But there's so many uh, universal themes that people can connect to assimilation and traditions. And there's there's a lot of immigration. Uh, There are a lot of, like I say, universal themes that people can identify with. Right, right. I also wanted people not to think of. In terms of Argentina and Jews, normally people automatically think about Nazis, and I, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to give a different picture. It's not all about Nazis. There's so much more to the Argentine Jewish history,
0: and so I wanted to share my little, my little corner of the world. Right. So much of the history that that is that is much prior to the Second World War. Absolutely.
1: My my great grandfather on my mother's side w- was there in 1890, and he came with Baron Hirsch and the Jewish Colonization Association, which I speak of in the book in, in my book and also on becoming Malka, which was the first attempt at a historical fiction. It's a historical fantasy because uh, my protagonist actually travels back in time to meet her great
0: grandmother Malka. By the way, did you know that I live in Houston where you used to live at some point? I, I, <laughs> I found that out. Uh, yes. <laughs> we have that fiction. Oh, funny. Um so growing up as a teenager traveling back and forth, just to paint the picture a little clearer, um You were speaking um, Spanish at home when you were being raised, Correct. when you traveled to Argentina, where you and then spent summers or Thanksgiving break over there with cousins and family or what may be whatever may be, were you considered quote unquote, la gringa?
1: Definitely. In Argentina, uh-huh. actually, we were las, las yankees. Uh, right. Uh-huh. You know, because Yankees over here, and of course, in Argentina, it's the j sound. Right. So we were the yankees. And I used to take offense to that, because sometimes they did not say it with of cariño. They oh, didn't of say it as a term of endearment. Right. Right. There has always been um, a, a certain. Um, I, there was always something between Americans and Argentines, especially on the Argentine side. Right. And
0: uh, <laughs> no, I can would... totally relate. I totally get it. My my father was an immigrant. My father was born in New York City, even though his parents were Cuban and Puerto Rican. But he came to Puerto Rico at the age of, I think, between seven and nine. I can't recall, but around that age and he was always considered or at least those early years in Puerto Rico like the gringo you know it was yeah. it was tough <laughs> even though yeah. he spoke Spanish and he really came from a you know, Caribbean family, but just the mere fact that he had spent time living in the mainland. (laughs) Exactly,
1: exactly. And that's exactly how we felt. And we were always my sisters younger than I, uh, but we were always put on this uh, very weird sort of pedestal they they wanted us to act as if we were trained monkeys, (laughs) Uh (laughs) say something in English, sing to us in English, Uh, you know, or it was it was always, um, the competition of you try this candy try this cookie try this this is better in in argentina it has to be better than what you get in america so it was a very it was a very bizarre situation we, we were going from house to house my mother wanted to meet uh and be with all of the family she missed them terribly and w- my sister and i were very very well behaved little girls we would sit in the corner and play with whatever they gave us to play with and they would sit there and drink mate and cry of the old days and cry for again having to be separated when the time would come that we would have to leave it was a very emotional it was a very emotionally draining experience um, and in particular when we were we first started going and we were met with this enormous family everybody I, I mean hundreds of people who love you and cry over you and it, it was um, it was hard to leave and it was hard to, to say goodbye to them but we we also wanted to come back home because our father was home he right. our father did not accompany us so we were always being torn it was a very difficult situation my cousins today are just now understanding me when I tell them and when, when I remember those days they all they could think of is you know las nenas de los estados de norte America that's what they would call us mm-hmm. girls from North America they they thought we were like um, Hollywood actresses you know coming from 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 the United States And all they could see was that we were coming to visit and having a wonderful time. But it was it was difficult. It was uh, a difficult experience. So all these memories, um, I I wrote this book, I wanted to share, I thought in the beginning, it would be humorous, it would be like my big fat Greek wedding type of thing. But as I wrote it, I started realizing that it was very therapeutic for me as well uh, to get it out all on paper. And uh, I wanted to honor my parents. I wanted to honor also the memories. But I saw my growth in that book. And it was very interesting to me <laughs> to see, oh, my goodness. OK, this makes a lot of sense now. All these issues that I had Um once it's on paper, black and white,
0: mm-hmm. it makes a, a difference. So you write this first book, and how much time passes between the second and the third b- book? Um, well, I, I
1: wrote the first book. It took me a while because I actually stopped writing because I, I kept doubting myself who wants to read this and who am I to write a memoir and all these kinds of things. Um, I wrote the first book in 2012, and then I wrote Becoming Malka, uh, I believe was in 20. 20- I think it was 2015, that book was a very unique experience because I almost feel that it was spiritually given to me. <laughs> I sat down with an idea and the words just seemed to come to me. I, I had a dream and I, I this is very true. How I know it sounds a little bizarre, but I woke up and I, I had the idea and I started writing and it was almost as if they were telling me, my ancestors were telling me what to say. Mm. I, um, that's you know. I know it sounds bizarre, but that's how I felt it, and it was very well received by Jewish people, by non-Jewish people, by uh, religious observant people, and and secular. And many people asked me what happened afterwards. What happened to this family? We want to know, and so then I sat down and said, okay, I have to tell what happened next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wrote Destiny by Design, which takes us uh, from the moment that they leave Russia, and they arrive in Argentina. This is completely fictional, of course, but um, I mean, the family, it's based on historical facts, but the family, the Abramovitz family are are a fictional family. I do not have any aristocrats in my family.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But their journey is very, close to home. So so before we get I want to get to the Jewish experience and how it's reflected in your work. But I want to just ask one more personal question of your journey. When you marry your husband, who was a native Argentinian, at at any point in your marriage, did it ever come up moving, settling in Argentina? Or was It it it? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it did in the beginning, because of
1: the fact that we could not get him out of the country when, when we were quote dating, which what it really was not dating. It was during the Falklands war, the Malvinas. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, I wrote about this in the first book because this was something quite, um, unique to my, to our situation. I was traveling when I went, when I was going to see him and staying with my grandmother or my aunt or whatever. Uh, sometimes I was there for four or five days, Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was pure insanity. Um, and one time when I actually got off the plane to go and see him, I was pulled out of the line that was, you know, going towards customs and I was interrogated under, uh, I had a rifle pointed at my head. Okay. So I had the military police going over my, my information, asking me questions with my passport. They couldn't understand why uh, I, as such a young woman, I was 20.
0: Why at are the you time coming and going so often. <laughs>
1: right. And uh, my, my passport, of course, I was American citizen, but it said I was an Argentine. Uh, I was born in Argentina. And uh, the person who was interrogating me stopped asking questions about why I was traveling so often and started asking questions about my heritage because my last name troop sounds German. But while I was speaking, uh, you know, when did your family come to this country? And I started telling bits and pieces, uh, in between tears, of course, because I was I was terrified, he the man realized I was Jewish. Oh and God. so there started all the questions, uh, basically saying that my parents were traitors. And what was why didn't I speak Spanish? Well, I do I do speak Spanish, but I, I didn't have that level of the vocabulary you that I had a little but, bit of an
0: accent. at, at the very
1: I, I definitely have an accent. And I didn't have the vocabulary of a university aged Young lady, right? Um, um, they wanted me to sign something. I refused to sign. I I, w- I was demanding to call the embassy. They wouldn't let me call. Wow. So you all. Crazy things. And finally, it, obviously, it ended well. They didn't hurt me, and I was allowed to leave. But uh, we were having difficulty getting my husband out of the country because Argentina was trying to hold their young men in case they had to call him back into service. He had already done his two years, mm-hmm. but his his group was going to be recalled because this war was going on, and the United States didn't want to let him in. Because they didn't want to have a problem with Argentina of having (laughs) all their young men coming into the States. Um, In a very uh, surprising (laughs) turn of events, I go back to Argentina in a little three or four day jaunt during Thanksgiving and go to the American embassy there and demand to speak to (laughs) to the American council because I just wanted my boyfriend to come visit me in California. <laughs> so they told me, well, the American council is not here. He's on vacation. You can speak to the vice council. So I said, fine. And the woman comes to the window. I start, you know, I start with my story um, and she stops me and she says mid-sentence, what is your name again and what school did you go to? So I told her my name and I thought she meant school. I thought she meant college. So I told her what college I was attending and she said, no, what junior high school, what middle school did you go? To? to. So I told her and she said, I know you. I was your teacher's assistant. Wait, what? Yes. She remembered me. She used to be a a TA, as I used to say, a teacher's assistant in my junior high school, in my glee club, (laughs) in my little choir. In California? Yes, in California. Wow! Talk about divine providence. Okay, go on. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we talked for a few minutes, and my husband, my boyfriend at the time, is looking at me like, "What are you? What is going on?" He had no understanding of what was happening. We were speaking too quickly. She said. Come with me to the back room. So I went with her to the back room. I explained the whole situation to her again, and she said, "Look, we can't get him in or out of the country. But if you go, if he goes with a fiance visa, and you sign an affidavit uh, that he will either leave in three months or you will get married, then he can go." So we did, we looked at each other. We were both shocked and amazed. We were not ready to get married. We had never been more than two weeks in the same country <laughs> at the same time. It was not it was not a question of getting married yet we just knew that there was something there so uh we went back to his home and spoke to his parents i called my parents my father was hy- hysterical get back on the plane and come home you know stop talking about this nonsense and at that point i said okay well if he can't come then i will move here i'll oh live my with the gosh <laughs> Yes, I'll, I'll move in with Bobby and Zayde and I'll get a job. And, uh, you know, we started talking about this and my husband's parents said this is nonsense. If, if he can leave, he should leave. At the time, um, a lot of young people were leaving. A lot of people were making aliyah. Mm -hmm. because there was just no future in Argentina. Um, And my my in-laws said, please take this opportunity. And what will be will be if it's not meant to be he'll come home. So that's what happened. (laughs) He did come he he came for those three months. My father wrote the date on the calendar with a bright red marker. And um, after three months, we decided this, this is definitely meant to be and I wasn't going to let him go back and he didn't want to go back. So we ended up getting um, we got married officially on paper, but we did not get married in my mind I was not gonna be married until I was under the chopa where I thought I was (laughs) I deserved that. I've been a good girl. I've done everything I was supposed to do and I want what my cousins have had and everybody else. So we lived like completely separate lives and a year later we were married in in the synagogue under the chopa, The rabbi in
0: the States or in Argentina? In the States.
1: We were going to get married in Argentina, but the situation economically was insane. And my father was afraid uh, that that they would take advantage of us because Mm -hmm. we would, you know, it was a whole situation over there. So, but we did bring my uh, mother and father-in-law and my brother and sister-in-law and my two bobes, my two grandmothers came. Oh, very nice. We had a beautiful wedding. My parents were just they just went over above and beyond and then we went back to Argentina for our honeymoon <laughs> mm-hmm. so but it was a it was just it was a, a crazy situation very unique and it made for some very good fodder
0: for the book definitely i, I could i could see now you say just this is such a rich story and now this is just one story of your life i could see now how you have a lot of material for a book or for three yes, books yes so, exactly and so Judaism it's become just from listening to you very obvious that it's it, it is it has been very much a part of your life growing up important to your family I know you told me before that you're not necessarily quote-unquote orthodox but it's very evident that it's a very important part of your lives so tell us a little bit about that um, how was that coming from both your parents, from one of them? Tell us about the Jewish environment at home. Well, this is
1: where it's it, it's also a unique situation. And I only want to speak about my family. Of course, I don't want to make a, a a broad, generalized statement. But in my home, we were... We were not practicing in any sort of way. My father was raised by Russian immigrants. Mm-hmm. My mother was raised by first-generation Argentines, and I don't know how or when it happened. But in basically one generation, uh, the level of observance that they had in the old country, quote unquote, was mm-hmm. was practically wiped out. Um, I don't know if it was a mixture of wanting to assimilate in a a Catholic nation. I mean, Catholicism is the state religion there. Right. It's, Part of the constitution. I don't know if it was part a of, of fear of retaliation. Um, I think for my father there was a little bit of anger, a little bit of rejection. Um, Probably so, a whole combination of all combination. of those things. Uh, I had always questioned my parents. I don't understand. You know, what are we? Are we Russian Jews? Are we Argentines? Or do I consider myself American? I, I I always had these questions. We we didn't practice Judaism. We didn't celebrate Shabbat. But it was extremely important for my parents, for us to know that we were Jews and we were not to forget that. Mm-hmm. And the way that we did it in our house, we um, in our little family, in our familia, we would gather for uh, Kabbalat Shabbat, mm-hmm. um, usually once or twice a month in a little social club that we had, which was named Ebraika. In Argentina, there is a very large organization called Ebreika. And when these immigrants came to Los Angeles, they formed their own little social club, right, which replicates. was not really religious, but it, it just identified with with Judaism. So I knew we were there for Shabbat. Somebody always lit the candles and said the blessing for the wine, but I, you know, we didn't pay attention. I know my mother did not know the bracha. I learned the bracha for lighting the candles from the Girl Scouts. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, here in the United States. Um, so th- this was, you know, we gathered for all the holidays. Well, not for all the holidays. We gathered for Pesach. We gathered for yon- uh, Yonte, for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. It was about the food. <laughs> Right. It was about the knedelach and the gefilte fish and, and these kinds of things. Nobody really knew the blessings for or the prayers that were meant to be said, but they knew it was important for us to be together and to remember. Was something.
0: marrying Jewish ever a consideration? You ended up marrying a Jewish man, but it seems like you could have very well not. No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: Had to be Jewish. Uh-huh. I don't. I cannot explain to you why, but it was of the utmost importance.
0: And uh, I think that just, just, and that this might be a very big generalization, but I think just that in and of itself has the Latin element right then and there, because I think the level of observance that you just described, if you put it in the context of. A non-Latin American family would not translate in the reaction that you just gave me. There is something about Latin American Jews that even if the observance is not, you know, all that much, that still you have to marry Jewish. Like it's exactly. not—it's not an option. But in exactly. America. You know what's the big deal already?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it was never. It was never really an option. Um, I did go to BBG. You know, to the Bene B'rith right. organization. I did that. I was in a youth group. We never really uh, were members in a synagogue. My cousins, the boys, had their their bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. I don't recall any of the girls going through it. But of course, I'm much older than you are. Uh, in the '70s, uh, I don't remember my cousins. Having a bat mitzvah, although there were girls doing it because I was attending uh, services for my B'nai brith girl mm-hmm, girlfriend, but mm-hmm. not in my family. Um, so it, it, it was it was always a part of our lives. We knew we were Jewish. But it, at least in my family, the the, the traditions were, were based on memories and not necessarily knowledge. My husband was raised in Argentina, and he went to a conservative shul, which to me, in my eyes, when, when in that Kabbalat Shabbat that I met him, th- th- we were sitting upstairs. The women were upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole entire service was spoken in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. There very Sabbath, traditional, extremely traditional to and especially for me, who I was not used to any of this. Right. Uh, it was very foreign to me uh, when I told him that on occasion I went to shul, to synagogue uh, in a reform environment. He and his friends thought I was Christian because it was so completely foreign to them. Mm-hmm. They, they, were, they were not used to it. It was something that they it was just it was very new in their ideas of of what a Jew was.
0: Right, right. At that point, the American Jewish experience and the experience still in Latin America as Jews was still very different in terms of those, uh, I guess, those labels and those... (laughs) I I hear this, and I i'm still impressed by the fact that in your book i've only read one of them you still manage to communicate and and present certain jewish concepts with um tremendous depth of understanding um did that come later on in life as an adult that you started learning maybe more? Um, Is that was that part of your research? Talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Well, when I when I did meet my husband, I think the first we always joke about this, but it it actually I it actually happened. We we confirmed we were both Jewish. You're Jewish, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, we asked each other if we smoked. We did not smoke. And I, I asked him if he liked fish, because I don't like fish. And he said, I don't like fish. So I said, okay, good. You, you
0: meet the qualifications. Let's just get this straight here, people. You want to marry somebody, get your values checked first. Are exactly. you Jewish? Do you smoke? And let's talk about what we both like. Exactly. I love it. That's how you make That's a shit that's right. I
1: already I already knew what I was looking for. And he was Argentine to boot. My What could my mother possibly have to say? Right. Um, and he, like I said, he was raised in a more, quote, observant environment. And that sort of needled me a little bit when when my first son was born, which I do talk about in the first book, something kind of flipped in my mind. And I thought how I am not prepared for this, not the actual mothering, but what kind of life am I going to give him? I need to give him all those answers that I have always been searching for. So I started, I started studying and uh, at the time when the children, when I had the three of them, we were living in a very small community in, in California, a very small agricultural community near the beach. It was beautiful, quiet, serene location. There wasn't a synagogue, but there was a community center. Mm-hmm. And so we joined that center, and the children were enrolled in the religious school, and I enrolled myself in the adult classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a permanent rabbi, but we had visiting rabbis. And one of those visiting rabbis happened to be a Chabad Rabbi, Uh who had an amazing wife, Uh, the Rivetson used to come and give, not lectures, but she would have lunch with us and have Mm -hmm. classes. Mm -hmm. And I learned... I learned so much from them and from the other, of course, of the other rabbis who would visit. And I, like I said before, I, I enjoy reading. So I just started reading as much as I could. I, I tried to learn Hebrew so that when the children were preparing for their bar mitzvah, I could I could help them and I can learn as well. So it became very important to me. And I also was very proud that we, we began celebrating things that I had never heard of. Lagbe, Omer, Right, Shabbat,
0: right. Sukkot, yes. I oh, love right.
1: su- Sukkot, building the Sukkot with the kids mm-hmm. and decorating. I thought, where was this my entire life? Right. I, this is so beautiful. It was so much more than just Hanukkah. You know, there's just so much more. And I, I'm i very proud of what we did for our children. I uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but the fact that we were, the, the childhood that we gave them, um, that they had their bar and bat mitzvah, I feel... I, I've done I've done a good I'm, I'm proud of what we were able to accomplish I've given them a strong basis and what happens now is up to them they're adults but I I feel but it um, sounds
0: like to- you managed to give them more than you were given you reversed the tide I did
1: I I hope I did now m- I my parents did the very best yes, that they, they could I'm sure their circumstances exactly. and I, I don't want to disparage them at all uh I just I just took I took what they gave me and went the next step, that's, that's all I can say 100%.
0: 100%.
1: And what I did with my writing was, um, I am a fanatic of period drama, historical drama, uh, Jane Austen, uh, the Bronte sisters, Elizabeth Gaskell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted, <laughs> I I always wanted to incorporate my love for that with some Yiddishkeit, and I couldn't find any work. I you know, if you read some of the the classics, if you read Dickens or there's of course Shakespeare and hires, they they all write about Jews in very negative stereotypes. Oh, <laughs> Um, I was very happy when I read, I read George Eliot's, uh, Daniel Duranda, which is a very heavy, heavy work, but the author there portrays the Jewish character to the other extreme. She makes this, uh, character. I don't know if you're familiar I'm with the book, not. but I'm intrigued. Tell me, um, there's a character by the name of Mariah and she makes her to be all the matriarchs and every other Jewish hero heroine. <laughs> into one so you go from one extreme to the other and it's a, it's a wonderful book that's a book it also talks about you know discovering Judaism in your own life because the other character the male character is Jewish but he didn't know it so it talks about this uh i just wanted uh, a book Austin style, Jane Austen style that happened to have Jewish characters in them with all their flaws, with all their Mm -hmm. dreams and their hopes, just regular people who happened to be Jewish, you know, I I couldn't find it. So uh,
0: following to be to be fair, they don't just happen to be Jewish. In your book, they're really going through the very unique Jewish immigrant experience.
1: Yes. But I, I, I think I, I, didn't want them to be stereotypical. there are right. a few, there are a few Jane Austen. They're called fan fiction books. So fan fiction, if if you're not familiar with that term, is what that you take a Jane Austen character or story and you impose a, another set of characters and you and you make a whole another story oh. based on Jane on Jane Austen's characters. So there are some, but they I didn't like those either because they became stereotypical new york jewish kind of in a in a in a in a not nice way yeah <laughs> and i thought these this does not represent people that i know this doesn't feel real to me um if uh, there there was a saying isabel Ag- Agende. i don't know if you're familiar of with course, her work of course i grew up she, on her work <laughs> okay she wrote write write what should not be forgotten and That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write something that should not be forgotten. The Jews in Argentina, the whole history with Baron Hirsch and the Jewish Colonization Association, everything that these people were able to accomplish, my grandparents, my ancestors, and everybody else, um, Argentina holds the second largest Jewish community outside of Israel and and the United States. What they were able to accomplish needs to be heard. A hundred percent. I I get very... frustrated when people only think about tragedy and horrific stories in our history you know we were doomed we were starving we were you know assassin. I wanted to speak about something else mm-hmm. I wanted to speak about the joys and and reaching goals and and just something a little bit not not only light but I also wanted to to point out some other pieces of our history where it was not always as tragic as uh People think of.
0: Right, right. Because the reality is a a lot more multifaceted and nuanced, as you've been able to capture in your book. So now that I hear your story of your learning, it starts making sense why the theme of divine providence, of Ashkahapratit, comes up many times throughout your latest novel i was very happily surprised because it's a topic that i speak about often here as well as on the blog and on my newsletter and it is a fundamental jewish concept um that while there is indeed free choice there is a constant interplay between free choice and divine providence that god is intimately connected in every aspect of creation including every aspect of our lives like in other words there are no coincidences but many jews unfortunately do not recognize this or haven't been taught that this is fundamental Judaism, but obviously you learned it along the way and it comes out so beautifully in the book and I just want to mention that and congratulate you because um, it's just so beautiful to see and that uh, how beautiful it comes in Leia's character and her life as well as her mother Uh, it's just really um, you did a really great job thank you thank you that means a lot to me
1: and divine providence is something that I am just I'm just learning about this uh, talking about divine providence I uh, I met somebody quote by accident who was uh, visiting our synagogue during uh, Yom Kippur and it was in between sessions I I was there all day long of course and and we were just resting in, in the garden and this, we started speaking with this lady much older lady and she was telling me about some issues that she was dealing with at home and she mentioned a book that she was reading the Garden of Emuna yes of course Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't stop talking about it. And I said, this sounds like a fabulous book. Where do I find it? And she gave me her card. She wrote down the title and I put it in my purse and I forgot about it. Months later, I get the book in the mail. She sent it to me. Oh, wow. Wow. And she said, I don't know if, you know, I hope everything is going well for you. But if ever you should need a little bit extra um, support or guidance or, you know, things come up. Yeah, things come up in life. Uh, She said, I highly suggest this book. And I I started reading and I thought I put it aside. I started reading. This is for somebody who is. Who's in the zone? <laughs> 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 who's living the life? I I I don't know how how do I make this work with my life, with my lifestyle and then I I have it. I have it right here, sitting next to me. It's with me always, even if I'm not reading it. Every, you know, every once in a while, I, I just look at it, and it gives me a sense of peace. I did actually end up finish reading the book, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it did help me while I was writing Destiny by Design because it is an interesting concept that everything happens. Everything happens for a reason, the good and the bad, Absolutely. and having the faith to understand it. At some point, hopefully God willing, we will understand why the bad is happening and if
0: not, just try
1: to learn the lesson and, and grow. Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm. and so and it I, I it's very comforting to know that in simple terms that God has our back. Yes. Even yes. though we might see a lot of challenges and a lot of things we go through in life, um, with from our perspective it's very, very painful and very challenging just knowing that there is a master plan behind this and that one day we'll be able to see let's say like the other side of the quilt you know, like when you when you weave a quilt those beautiful masterpieces you, see, you know or those tapestries the other side is just a bunch of threads but in the front there's like this beautiful masterpiece, right? Exactly. So one day we can we will be able to see it's a very, very comforting and very important uh, Jewish idea Ashgach HaPratis nothing is coincidence it's not it's not uh random our lives are not random our experiences are not random our encounters are not random there is always a purpose and they're happening uh constantly it's not yes um yeah yeah yes
1: it, it also helps on uh, just on a daily basis when something happens and it ends yes. up irritating you you okay, it's now given me a moment to take you know just to pause and say okay yeah it, what, it what am i mm-hmm. yes yeah. It's t- it's just telling you look around what is happening what are you meant to be seeing with this why is it being brought to your attention just
0: very subtly yeah it has changed my life yeah, so yeah 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 wow it's it I'm I'm happy happy to hear it just brings a person a sense of calm yes yeah yeah way amazing amazing talk to me about um you mentioned your mother you mentioned um your bubby also talk to me about. Jewish female role models in your family that you look up to, and maybe you can describe them for us? Well, i that's a good question.
1: <laughs> because m- most of my family stayed in Argentina, I wasn't blessed with growing up with my grandparents. I saw my grandmothers, when, obviously, when we were there, but I, I didn't grow up with them. So the women in my life, in my day-to-day life here in the States, I call them mis tías, mm. my aunts. Whether or not we are blood related, and of course, my mother, who, um, again, are not observant, but to me, they were the epitome of what women should be what a mother and a wife should be. Um, And I wrote about this in my in the first book, because I felt like they were all raising us. We, we lived very close. Uh, we tried to all live very close. We were together almost every weekend. Uh, if my mother didn't catch me doing something wrong, una de las tías, one of my aunts, would catch me. You know, right. and it was it was kind of a village. We were yeah. raised in a village of these women, and they showered us with love. They showered us with guidance. About one of the things I said in the book is they secured our families together with silky thread and bands of steel because... Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were strong they were strong women they all had their own characters uh, some of them were stronger than others but the love and the resi- resiliency that they portrayed and they were able to they endured you know they were all immigrants they were far from home we didn't have a lot of money we were struggling but our homes were always neat and clean and sparkled our the children all thrived. Uh, they raised children that went to be very successful, whether it was professional, whatever they were. We, we've all been uh, blessed in that way. And our families were all nurtured and nourished, even in the hardest circumstances. And they imparted as much as they could of the Yiddishkeit in our lives. Right, right. That to me, th- my mother and, and las tías, they, and I still am blessed to have some of my aunts with me. They are a continual source of, of love and guidance towards uh, to me and to my family. So they are my role models. Uh, I can only hope to be as great as them.
0: It's so beautiful to hear um, because it really does sound like that family, like family came first, that that unity, um, and that uh, raising the children with, you know, some of the the old school, quote, unquote, the traditional, just the value of being together, and that family comes first, it seems that it really came through, and that the the women were leading the the way and making sure that happened. Absolutely. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, yeah, exactly. No brainer. But yeah, okay. (laughs) And I also wanna point out from what you've said before that it's it's important for all of us in this gen in your generation, in my generation, to note that we have been blessed with something that our parents and our grandparents weren't blessed in the sense of A greater access of information and education when it comes to Judaism, Uh, there is so much more now available for us, and so our the previous generation was able to give us only what they could we can't judge them we can't blame them they had unique circumstances whether it be because it was after the war it was just completely different from our experience but I think the point is that it behooves us the younger generation to understand that now it is our responsibility to take ownership of our Yiddishkeit and and learn and use the experience, the intellectual experience and background that you we have to try to understand and gain knowledge of our heritage that perhaps wasn't given to us because it wasn't available. That's the honest truth. And our parents did the best that they could, but we can do better um, without discounting the um, enormous, magnificent job that they did. We it behooves us to take advantage of the new times and the access that we have um, to really inf- you know, to really un- gain the knowledge and, you know, give it to our children uh, and give them that Jewish pride and the education that they shouldn't have the questions that we had or our parents had, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. They have other questions, but at least they will have the understanding. They'll have a basis, a strong basis.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll always have questions. (laughs) (laughs) Until Mashiach comes, we'll have questions. That's okay. But we have to try our best. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mirta, you've been so wonderful. This has been so much fun. I want to wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blanks. And this is the way I coronate all of my guests. And this is a part of the show where I'll give you an open ended sentence and you'll just finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't overthink it. Okay. Okay. All right. Amirta Ines Troop, and I feel most spiritual when
1: Okay, I feel most spiritual when I'm singing on the bima. Oh. Uh, yes, I have been blessed to be in a choir. I've been oh, I've been singing for for many 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 years. But when I get to sing on the bima for the high holidays, and I know this is a reform situation, that's okay. Uh, but uh, there's one particular moment when uh, we when we're singing and the congregation is singing back along with us. I always think of the Zochreinu L'Chaim. Mm-hmm. There is such a a moment of of power of unity it's extremely uplifting I feel part of my community I'm part of the tribe that's when I feel most spiritual
0: hmm, I love it It's also the power of those ancient songs it's it's really very extremely powerful absolutely My favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is my favorite
1: mitzvah is. Um, this one I have to say one of one of two I connect with lighting the Shabbat candles mm-hmm. because of the the, the from that little synagogue in Ventura County California and I also connect with sitting in the sukkah when we invite the ushbizin oh. I absolutely love that so I hope that counts as a mitzvah but of course absolutely
0: <laughs> it's a big mitzvah and it's a mitzvah yeah. that surrounds our entire being our entire body by the way do you remember her last name yes what La- Okay, I don't know her. All right. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is that would have to be uh, at my wedding under the chuppah.
1: And the rabbi said some words that were so inspirational. I remember to this day because he was speaking about ascending to the bima, and that he wanted us to keep our marriage At a higher level, on a higher plane. It was not something mundane. It was something holy. Mm -hmm. And we have to, no matter what else is going on, even if there's harsh words, if there's a disagreement, we had a bad day at work, remember, remember this moment on the Bhima and, um, it's been with me this 35 years now, thank God, but that's my sweetest Jewish
0: memory. Well, that's a very beautiful thing that you said, and it's an important concept to 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 state because the truth is, when we get married, a Jewish marriage takes the person to a higher level. When we're single, we are more individualistic, right? But the concept of a Jewish marriage is a step up, um, in yes. a spiritual step up. So it's so wonderful that you had the opportunity to be told and explained that, uh, at, at the outset. Amazing. Yes. Something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is? This is probably something I would share with my father. I think my father's
1: resentment and kind of turning away from practicing Judaism was this reason. I I think that I wish, how do I say this? I wish that the choreography was not important. I wish I had known Mm -hmm. that it was not important. When to stand, when to cover your eyes, when to bow, when to bend, all these things made my father very uncomfortable. And I think that passed to me as well. When I was younger, and I was very um uh, what, what, what rebellious? Right. I was also rebellious. I don't want to do this. Why can't I do that? Why can't I have a cheeseburger and a milkshake when I'm out with a youth group? I don't nice. understand. This. So I, I wish that I knew more, um, that it was more about that individual connection. Uh, instead of following every single tiny little detail, it was that connection with God. And and how can I grow as a person and, and and do and live my life correctly so that God would be proud of me, my community would be proud of me.
0: Right. It goes hand in hand, right? It's like what you're I think what you're saying is the ritual that you call the the choreography, it, it almost is empty and dry without the space spirituality and the meaning behind it and what it really means for a person's life and without that then it just it just turns into this dry thing that there's no rhyme or reason why i should do and that's why it's so important for us i think to start learning the meaning behind things and understanding that it's a relationship it's a love relationship but i don't think i don't i think the previous generation was not taught that and um it's taken thanks to you know Chabad and many, many other people. um, It's really become a revival of uh, Jewish pride and Jewish learning and Jewish spirituality, which I think many people can't even relate the 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 word spiritual with judaism they think ritual judaism and then spiritual is i don't know buddhism and all sorts of other things correct, correct. and i
1: think that was an issue with us growing up we saw people doing things out of uh, out of route just doing it and right. we didn't we didn't understand everything behind it and uh it, it was to our detriment because we didn't get the full picture
0: for sure for sure for sure when i give tzedakah i like to give to
1: uh, anybody who actually feeds or nurtures children I do that thinking about my mother because that was my mother was all about that. Hmm. So that's where where I feel I like to give. I also like to give to support the military. So we actually my husband and I are very supportive of two organizations and um, uh, they're very near and dear to our heart. I think for us as immigrants coming from a place like Argentina, our grandparents running away from issues in Russia, uh, we are so grateful to this country, our yeah. adopted. We are grateful for our freedom. we're grateful for, for being allowed to be here. Uh, we need to, we just feel that we need to support these men and women who are out there defending our principles, our way of life and uh, you know we can't forget them. Because right. they give up so much in 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 honor to to help the country
0: right, right. absolutely. I didn't ask you, but was it you were lucky, as we said before, to have the whole pretty much the whole Argentinian experience? and obviously your husband grew up in Argentina. What was it challenging? for for you guys to raise your kids and try to give them that argentinian flair how did that play out did you send them to argentina often in the same way that you had oh no 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 no
1: <laughs> that was not a
0: possibility my kids we went back
1: once we've been there uh, just once and all this time with the children we went in 2007 um i think that the whole argentine culture just because the family we were lucky still to be all in california right. when the kids growing up we were all together we were still gathering for asados you know for our traditional foods and uh drinking mate my kids love to drink
0: mate so they grew up (laughs) with that the, the 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 cultural flair
1: Absolutely. And and knowing that when there was a reunion, there was some tango music in the background or some, you know, typical música folklorica, you know, with the guitar. Uh, And of course, with all the technology, we do have a connection with the family in Argentina with whether it's WhatsApp or Skype or FaceTime. Right. right, And uh, so they're definitely connected to La Familia Argentina, the
0: Argentina family. Very nice. Very nice. Finally, I'm Mirta Inés troop, And today I'm most grateful for
1: um it's been 12 years that my parents have been gone and i am most grateful for st- for still feeling their love and their guidance um around me they- they're with me in every step of the way i know that my parents are with me and and i could not have been blessed with two more wonderful loving people so that's what i'm grateful for
0: beautiful and i know that you are making them very very proud Thank you, thank you very much. I I have to ask you before I let you go, since you are a writer and I've I don't ask this of very many of my guests, but I've asked of several, including writer and journalist Abby Pograbin, and I I need to ask you this question and so indulge me please. If you had to describe Judaism in one word, what would you say? Love. Ah uh, De- yeah, definitely. Very nice, very nice. I'm not even gonna ask you to elaborate <laughs> on that because I get it, and I hope everybody yeah. in the audience gets it too. Mirta, you've been wonderful. Much much success. Is there anything else in the pipeline? I want to know.
1: Yeah, actually, yes. I am working on my own Jane Austen fan fiction, uh, where I'm taking the story of Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. and uh, adding a whole new set of characters. And right now, it's called The Myersons in Meryton. Uh, Meryton is a fictional village in Pride and Prejudice. And I'm going to have this rabbi come to town and and uh, <laughs> connect with the families of, of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, so that sounds so fun. I'm very excited. And I'm also weaving in some history because a lot of people do not realize that in uh, 1812, 1813, when England was fighting a war with France, that it was Jewish people who came to help the yes. Rothschilds
0: and the Montefiore. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to weave that all into the tale. And I'm very, very excited about it. I love it. And by the way, you, uh, you kind of downplayed on the fact that you you've written these books, you started the first one in 2012, I think, and now we're in yeah. 2018. I mean, it's no small feat, Mirta, in just a couple like a short six years to put out to the world three beautiful, wonderful books, well researched. It is an amazing feat. So congratulations to you. And um, yeah, you should know that it's pretty heroic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's
1: It's been it's been a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying the interaction, meeting people, whether it's here on Skype or Facebook or wherever goodreads um just the 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 connection the human connection with other people who who get me who get the stories were um just identifying with the same themes it's just wonderful to meet all these wonderful people who've spent a little bit of
0: time with me reading my books i'm very very grateful beautiful everybody the book is the latest book is destiny by the sign and you can find this novel as well as myrta's other books on amazon right exactly you can also look for me on good Reads and on Pinterest.
1: So I'm I'm out there. Come find me. Very nice, Mirta. Thank you very much. Thank you. I- I-
0: Thanks again to Mirta Ines Troop for stopping by. Her latest novel is Destiny by Design and you can purchase that one as well as her other books on Amazon. You can also find Mirta on Facebook at Mirta Ines Troop. If you enjoyed this episode, well, guess what? You can leave a rating and a review on iTunes very, very easily. Just scroll down your podcast app page and until you find the little button that says Review and Rate and that's where you do it. I really, really appreciate it. And if you are in Houston, um, please join join me on November 11th at the Friendship Walk. It's really one of the most fantastic community events. Um, so I hope you, I can see you there. And of course if you'd like to volunteer, well, reach out to me because I happen to be the person to talk to. And um, and of course we'll find what uh, what you can do and contribute. And if you'd like to make a donation please go ahead and do so at HoustonFriendshipWalk.com forward slash EL And of course, if you're in Houston you can register there for the walk yourself and then I look forward to seeing you. And shoot me an email. Let me know if your friendships are fan and you're part of the world. I hope everybody has a lovely week. I can't wait till next week where we have a really, really fun and enlightening guest all the way from Brooklyn. Not going to spoil it for you. I just hope you join me next time. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love.